0: This morning we're in uh, Genesis chapter 26. Genesis 26. We're going to read the entire chapter. Well, until I interrupt myself and stop and talk about it. So, a chapter will Do one, you uh, move on and then uh, I, we ask. Later on the question, or do you want to stop and ask the uh, answer to the question, Which way, whichever you prefer. Uh, afterwards would be better because I'm okay. I'm recording this for uh, people right. that are missing it. That's right, that's right. Uh, not that okay. the questions aren't aren't helpful for us to understand if someone doesn't understand something, but um, I understand. Okay, so we're gonna start. <coughs> And keep going. So, as a little review, uh, we've just Abraham has um, just died. He had a son, Isaac, the son of promise. But he's not the only son that Abraham had. But that's the the son whom we're following through the um, Old Testament that will eventually lead to the Messiah. Uh, he Abraham sent a servant to find Rebecca, and he found her, and they will eventually have two. Sons, twins, Esau and Jacob. And now there's this kind of an aside story in chapter 26 that's going to be about Isaac. We're not quite to Jacob and Esau yet in this um, in this chapter. This is still dealing largely with Isaac. So let's see what it has to say about Abraham's son. I want to just make all that clear because the names start to kind of get mixed up in which chapter because we just learned about Esau and Jacob, but we're going back and we're going to learn a little bit about Isaac. Um, So this is Abraham's son, whom he went to sacrifice on the mountain, whom God provided a a ram. Um, And this is who we're talking about. There was a famine in the land, verse 1, beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. So, pause there, first one. So, we're going to see this whole chapter is going to be very similar to the initial calling of Abraham in Genesis 12 through 14. And there's going to be some very similar elements here. Um, Is this the same King Abimelech that was in um, Genesis chapter 12? We don't really know. A lot of people say it is because some of the people live to 150 years old, so this, this could very well be the same king. Um, mm-hmm. Some say that Abimelech is just uh, a title like
1: mm-hmm. his
0: majesty or, or something like mm-hmm. that that Abimelech's not a, a proper name but actually the the title of philistine kings that it's mm-hmm. their title so that's that's what we know we don't actually know and and judging by the way he kind of talks later it doesn't seem like it's the same person mm-hmm. um, but there is that common name from twelve to twenty six mm-hmm. Um, and it it says that Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines so Isaac is moving into this area of the Philistines and we're going to see something happen all of a sudden Verse 2. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in the land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked about his wife, and he said, She is my sister, for he was afraid to say she is my wife, because he thought, Least these men of the place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw that there was Isaac, showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quit. Quite obviously, she is your wife, so how... Could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I said least I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, "What is this you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt on us." So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, "He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death." <coughs> so, real quick, there. Here in verse two uh, is the first time that we read that the Lord shows Himself to Isaac, and He's. There's a, a great famine in the land, and he's warning Isaac not to leave the land and go to Egypt. Um, he appears to be maybe going to the, Philist- the area of the Philistines for protection or safety from the famine, so that he would be near you know, where other people are going to have food and, and be able to um, have enough for his family. We're going to see that God provides abundantly for Isaac in this time. And that the, there's this like slightly painful verse in in verse five, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. We thinking about that that per, that uh, thing that the Lord said to him. It's not because Isaac is following the Lord. It seems like God is is doing these things because He promised them to Abraham, and not because Isaac's really necessarily walking with the Lord. He may be some, but as we'll see, he'll he'll get there. But he's doing these things because Abraham obeyed God's voice and kept his charges, and it's kind of like this this wake-up call hopefully to to Isaac like God's doing these things not because of your faith, not because of your devotion, not because of of what you're doing, but because of who your father was and it's it's an interesting thing, but we see God continuing his uh, promise to bring um, blessings to the world through this line through. Uh, Abraham's uh, chosen line of descendants. So he dwelt in Gerar, and we see the same sin that his father did. Abraham lied about his wife, kind of. It was his sister, half-sister, but he still lied to the king of Abimelech. And um, and Abimelech, in verse chapter 12, took him into his harem, uh, took Sarah into his harem, and so we have a, a slightly different situation um, where he doesn't do that, but he sees that oh, Isaac and Rebecca are married. Like, what's going on? Why did you say she was her- <laughs> your sister? And we see the same sin that was in the father and the son, that that he's worried about other people that God wouldn't provide, that God wouldn't protect. That uh, I need to lie so that I can be safe. And and we see that the Lord will keep us safe if, wh- whether we lie or not. So, so my 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 hope and my pray for, prayer for you is like don't lie. Like there's no reason to. I can point you to verses in the New Testament that says you know put away lying and the things of the flesh. But I don't think I need to go into all that. Like don't lie. Just tell the truth, and the Lord will 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 take care of you in all these situations. It's very interesting that. Uh, Abimelech wants to keep his people uh, like safe uh, so that you know, nothing bad would happen to them if they take a uh, um, another man's wife it, it seems like they have some sort of idea of you know this sin, this guilt that comes from breaking a marriage covenant. so that's that's very interesting. And so he gets extra protection from the king um, for his wife. In his, his life, basically. But he doesn't really need it because the Lord is on his side. So as we're going to see, there's a famine in the land, verse 1. And now let's see what happens in verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he, was put, he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which... His father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So we see um, Isaac in verse one moving to this area of the Philistines for probably protection and food and safety, and indeed he he is the one that is greater than the king, greater than the, the servants, because the Lord blesses him. He doesn't need to, to seek out safety from men when he has the Lord who's on his side he reaps a hundredfold more 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 than enough food and if you'll remember so they're not just um, shepherds because he has a large large flock of sheep he's got inherited from his father um, and from other kings from doing certain things and then so he's got this huge flock he's got all these servants Abraham had 316 17 servants who he went to go fight the kings with so he is this huge tribe. We also see that he plants. So he's not just a, a shepherd. He's also a farmer. Um, and he reaps that year plenty of food. And he becomes so powerful that actually the Philistines are like, Hey, 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 you're a little bit too much for us. We need you to kind of scoot a little bit away because you're you're so um, big and powerful. Like, God has really blessed him. And the other people see him and envy him for it. Uh, Verse 17, Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. So filling in someone's well is a really big sign of disrespect in these days because water was life for your herds, for your people, for everything. And so the, the Philistines, once Abraham died, filled him in and, and took the time to go out of their way to fill in a big hole in the ground that led down to water. Like they they really despised Abraham and and everything that that he had and everything that he had done. It's and and we see Isaac coming back and digging those old wells again. Um looking for water for his people, looking for water for his 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 crops. He's putting the work in. He's not taking what other people have He's looking for, um, he's really digging the wells that he knew were there because he was with his father. Um, Verse 19. Also Isaac's servant dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sid. Nah. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he calls his name both, because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Um, So here's this. He digs three wells, which which is no small task. Uh, Trying to dig a well, trying to uh, remove the dirt someone else has thrown in there. And we see that Isaac's actually like a really big, mighty nation that even the they are, are afraid of him, and instead of Isaac taking up arms to defend his right to the water, to instead of, of going instantly to, to war to battle with them, he just keeps moving on. He has all this power, and he's got trained servants for war, and he, instead of fighting, instead of taking lives, he moves on to the next well. He's not looking for a fight. He's just looking for water. And... I just see the, the humbleness of Isaac as he moves along because he could do something about it. He could turn on those flocks. He could defend his right to the water, but he doesn't. And we see that he's more um he's showing more faith in God that he'll take care of him, that they'll find water the next time, that that they don't need to take the land by force. That the Lord will will work all of that out. So just work work for the Lord. Um I want to point out to that we can like fast forward to Colossians 3, if you've got it, um, your Bible, Colossians 3, uh, 23 and 24, two, two verses, which are very important in this day and age of our lives. Are you going to show us on the screen? I can, if that's what you'd like me to do, so you don't have to flip around. Tril Colossians Three, twenty-three, twenty-four, New King James. Uh, bippity, boppity. All right. Can you see my screen? Yes, you can. Cool. Yeah. It's uh in this wonderful chapter um about wives and husbands and. We'll get down to the section called bondservants. servants in um, verse 22. We don't really have bond servants anymore. They're slaves. But we are employees, so so this kind of applies to everyone. <coughs> um, but I really want to focus on verse 23 and 24. Um, but, but just for context, he's referring to the slaves. He's referring to bond servants. Um, fine for context First 22 bond servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh not with eye service as men plead but in sincerity of heart fearing God so that's how this little paragraph starts says, slaves you people that work for other people employees obey in all things your masters according to the flesh that's talking about human masters fleshly masters that that if you're a servant of someone else you need to obey oh. All things with a little asterisk, you know, except for where it causes you to sin against God. Um, But not with eye service, not not with sarcasm, not as men pleasers, just to please that man. Because you'll go out of your way and make people hate you because of, like, men pleasing. Because you're trying to, to kiss up to that one person. Don't do it like that. But do it out of sincerity of heart, fearing God. And he goes on to say, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. So I want to highlight this because this is for us, like, as we go to work, as we go to our jobs, as we, we have toiled for men for years and years and years, we need to work f- as if to the Lord. Like, everything we do needs to be for the Lord. If um, we take our eyes off the Lord, we start to worry about, you know, or we start to look at, to men. I'm just working for a paycheck from this man. We'll we'll start to shirk responsibilities. We'll start to do things um with half a heart and we'll start to do the minimum. We won't do the, the best that we can and we'll just get by just like everyone else because that's what everyone else is doing. They're they're making themselves look busy. They're They're making themselves look more important than they are just so that other people would acknowledge them. We don't need to do that. We're different. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and he says here that we need to work our jobs, everything we do as if we're doing it to the Lord, as if we're doing it for the Lord. The Lord has asked us to do it because that's the master that we want the reward from. That's the master that we want to, to please is, is Jesus Christ. And so in our sto- back to our story, like we're, we're talking about Isaac digging wells. And he digs it. I'm going to go with he digs it to the Lord because we're, there's going to be this really cool thing. He starts with this vision from the Lord. Um, acknowledging his promises to Abraham and then we're about to get into the second this this bookmark this uh sorry book end of of another vision of uh the lord coming to him and so he digs the wells but it says here like but he who does wrong will be repaid what he has done so if, if Isaac had turned um to, with sword and blade to to recapture those wells like there would have been uh, there would have been pain there would have been wrong and and God God says he doesn't want that God God says like be fair, don't do what's wrong, you'll be repaid for for the wrong that you do and so it some people may argue that it was wrong for them to to take it well yes, it is wrong for them to take it but but we see that that the Lord is more powerful and more capable than our human brains can imagine. And sometimes we're going to have to do a little bit extra work because we're Christians. And people despise us and want to give us the short end of the stick. They want to um, exasperate us and wear us down and insult us at every turn. And he says, don't return wrong for wrong. Don't don't give in to the way that the world does things, but, but just to, to serve the Lord in the way that he would want it to be done. So that's that's what I want to say about the digging of the wells. Uh, let me hop back in here. We're on verse 23. All right. And then he went up from Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night. Here's the bookend. Here's the other side. And said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahazoth, one of his friends, and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, since you hate me and have sent me away from you? But they said, We have certainly seen the Lord is with you. So he said, Let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, since we have not touched you, and since we have done nothing to you but good, and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank, and they arose early in the morning, and swore an oath with one another, and Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, "We have found water, so he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day we'll pause there. So we have um, after the wells are dug, the Lord appears to uh, a- Isaac and makes his re- rededicates his promise to Isaac that he'll bless his mul- bless and multiply his descendants. And so Isaac here sets up an altar to the Lord and pitches his tent there he lives in this area where the Lord appeared to him alongside this altar alongside his his memory of of the Lord appearing to him and talking to him and uh, praise the Lord that we have that example that that the Lord is moving and he's talking and he's working in these these lives of these these men back then because he does the same thing here he he talks to us, he calls us he he works through us. A lot of the time it's through his holy word and through prayer, but sometimes he speaks very, very loudly to us and specifically. He gives us dreams and visions. And then while he's there, uh, I, I guess, I don't like saying that word, but the uh, Abimelech and Ahuzath and Phicol hear about him in this area in Gerar and the wells that he's digging, and, and he comes to make a peace treaty with him. I, I assume there's been some, some issues with the wells, and he's probably heard about some of that trouble. And so he comes and makes a, a peace, peace treaty, because he is big, he is powerful, he is able to, to do what he wants, but he's showing meekness, he's showing um, power under control. And so they they made a feast which was a um kind of a very formal thing. You share food with someone else, um it shows it symbolizes uh, unity kind of between those two people because if I eat of this bread and you eat of the same bread, we're growing with the the same substance in us. And so it's very important meals in the Old Testament and even when we get to the the Last Supper, it's very important the way that God, Jesus, identifies with us, uh, through that, that communion supper that that there's union with it. they swore an oath and departed and that's where they found water and finally th- verse 34 and 35 when Esau was forty years old he took as wives Judith the daughter of Bere, the Hittite, and basemath the daughter of Elon the Hittites, and they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. And so we're we're about to jump back into the Esau and Jacob story, and starts with this. Um, Esau is taking wives from the surrounding area, from the Hittites, and Isaac and Rebecca don't want that to happen. We remember very specifically, Abraham sent his servant to go find a wife for Isaac from his people. And so here, Esau, this this kind of wild man that. That's a good hunter. That that came and sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. He's taking wives from among the, the local people, and and it's a grief to the mind of Isaac and Rebecca. It's not what they would want for him, and we see him taking two wives. <coughs> we don't see the Lord anywhere in that passage. That he's just doing these things on his own. He sees these daughters, and they're pretty to him, I guess, and it takes them for wives. And we're, we're gonna get into um kind of more of that family so so Esau's inviting in these um Hittite women into the tribe of Isaac um as he's marrying them they they come and join his camp um, as it was um, there was one more thing yeah, I don't remember what it is but we we see that God's providing for Isaac, God's blessing Isaac and all that he does because it's through him and his descendants that the seed comes and who, whom Jesus will eventually come. And we see a little bit of that meekness in this, this type of Isaac, that, that he has all this power at his disposal, but he doesn't put it to use, to sin, to, to save himself from more hard work. He, he just goes and does the more work. And so we see Jesus like has all this power and all this might and he can call down angels and he can save himself from that cross, but he doesn't. He goes humbly as a servant to the cross to be obedient to the Father, not to take up arms, not to to start a revolution uh, of this world but to start a, a, a spiritual kingdom for us to be partakers in that starts here, that will move into eternity when we die. And so I Here's an example of just a a humble Isaac. That reminds us of of how humble Jesus was, that even though he did no wrong, he was nailed to the cross like a criminal. But he did that for our sakes. He did that for the sake of our sin that we would do and we would continually do. And we just need to praise the Lord for that. Lord God, thank you for this time that you've given us. Thank you for this little, these side stories about just Isaac digging wells and being faithful to you, building an altar to you. Finally, Lord God, I pray that after years and years of living in a in a household in a tent, as Isaac did with Abraham, that finally he's starting to to turn to follow the Lord and start committing his life to you. And I pray that for us, even though we've been we know about you. We've got your Bible. We've we've lived in households with you, Lord God, that, that I pray that we would turn to you and set up a little altar in our hearts, Lord God, so that we can worship you and turn to you. When things are hard, we seek you out. When we are unsure, we seek you out. When we need answers, we could turn to you, Lord God. Let us not run to anyone other than you. God, I pray that you can help Help us to remember you. Send out your Holy Spirit to remind us of who you are so that we may be faithful to you, that we may have that relationship with you that we need to be saved. God, I pray that you can help us just to commit ourselves to you every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.